anything that brings people true value in their lives is always top of mind. And I think the trick, no matter if you're a speaker or a magician or an accountant, is to take what you do and make sure that you're communicating why this thing is actually valuable to somebody. Because as long as people believe it's valuable, they will pay for it. Simple as that. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. You know that feeling you get when you're reading a product page and it somehow feels like every word that's written on it applies directly to you. They're talking about things that you didn't even know you had a problem with, but once you read it, you realize that you actually do. That is the power of connection. My guest today is a human connection specialist and globe-trotting magician turned speaker who works with organizations who want to create an environment where everyone feels heard, understood, and valued. He's the author of Three New People, subtitle, Make the Most of Your Daily Interactions and Stop Missing Amazing Opportunities. His TEDx talk, How to Magically Connect with Anyone, has been seen by over 3 million people. Joining me live today is Brian Miller. Thanks a lot for joining on, Brian. Hey, thank you so much for having me. This is a pleasure. I saw that uh, virtual magic was something that you've specialized in. Can you explain to me how that works? Is it the same? Like, do you get the same kind of energy from your audience? <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's so funny. So I mean, that, that is obviously within the last three weeks, a completely brand new thing. I was a full time magician for a decade. And then, you know, about five years ago, I, I shifted 95% of my work into speaking, coaching, consulting on communication and all that stuff. But I still was accepting, you know, the right event for the right client as a magician because I had a good reputation still in in the industry and a lot of clients from a long time. And then what happened when we went into the kind of like March 12th, when the world fell apart, that was the day pretty much when everything kind of the dominoes went down. It wasn't a week later that someone reached out cold through my website. First of all, it was not a pre-existing client. It wasn't a client who had a canceled event because the world fell apart. Totally reached out cold through my magic website, which I don't even update anymore. The reason it's updated right now is because someone reached out to me. It had not been updated in probably a year because I hardly ever do magic shows anymore. They reached out cold and said, is there any chance you'd be willing to do a virtual magic show for our group in a week or two? And I just the question just blew my mind. That was the furthest thing I was thinking about how to take my keynote speaking engagements and shift them to virtual workshops. And someone reached out and said, would you do a virtual magic show? And I just said, yes, because what else are you going to say in a pandemic, right? I was like, I don't know what the future of work is going to look like, you know? And so I was just like, yeah, I'll take anything someone's willing to, to give me right now. And so I said yes, and then kind of regretted it 10 minutes later, because then I didn't know what I was going to do with myself and spent um, a week. I mean, I must have put in more work in my magic career in a week than I had spent in the last five years on it, right? And I figured out how to do a high production, really world-class 
take something you would expect to see, you know, in a big stage and that I used to do in big theaters and put it here on, you know, in the virtual world. And, and now I'm starting to get more requests for it because it, it went so well the first time. Yeah, it's, 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 it's wild. So I wouldn't say I specialize in it. We've barely begun doing it. But biggest difference is that you'll see a lot of entertainment virtually right now, which looks as bad as everything else looks like, right? Which is just grainy webcams and dirty dishes in the background and all that stuff. And But then there's a handful of folks, many of my mentors and really, really successful colleagues that I got to see all clearly getting the same requests I was to do a virtual show. And you can see the difference when a real world-class entertainer like, like my mentors and my friends, not to put me in that group, but I was watching them and going, oh, there's a way to do this right. that brings the same value those kind of clients used to look for live to bring that into the virtual world, but to take advantage of what the virtual world offers, which is multimedia experience. Yeah. And that's super interesting too, that despite a pandemic happening, people still crave entertainment and they're going, they're willing to pay for it despite it being one of the least, the one of the last things you would look for in a, in like a hierarchy of needs kind of sense. So, you know, what's so interesting about, okay, so this is right. This is all about top of mind, staying top of mind. And the truth is entertainment is always top of mind. And I'm going to go one step further and say, Anything that brings people true value in their lives is always top of mind. And I think the trick, no matter if you're a speaker or a magician or an accountant, is to take what you do and make sure that you're communicating why this thing is actually valuable to somebody. Because as long as people believe it's valuable, they will pay for it. That's it. So entertainment in recessions um, actually traditionally goes up. By the way, like, like historically, entertainment always goes inverse to the economy because when things are really bad, the one thing people need is a break from their reality. So movies typically typically do very well. Obviously, right now, this is a special circumstance. We can't meet in the real world, but typically, movies do really well. And, and, and during like the 2008 to 2010, like magicians were <laughs> like magicians who knew what they were doing were doing a lot of work because people desperately wanted a break from reality when everything else was crumbling. And I think you're going to see that happening here too. Wow. That's crazy to think about that. It's just something that people crave and we need and, and it brings value. And it's up to you as the provider of some type of value to position it in a way that the other person's like, hell yeah, I need that. Yeah. And, and we're seeing this. There's a lot of magicians and comedians and people who, you know, people who sell, I don't know, really high end jewelry, right? There's all these types of people who have always considered themselves in the luxury industry, quote unquote, right? So typically, if you're in the luxury industry, that, that what that really means is that you're selling to a very specific clientele, right? You're, you're going after the kind of person who's got a lot of extra cash on hand. But what you're going to find right now is that even the wealthiest people are tightening their budgets, not because they can't afford to spend, but because they don't know what's coming next, right? Uncertainty makes people tighten. And the businesses and the individuals and the entrepreneurs and the employees and the managers and the leaders, the people who are going to succeed, in not just in spite of the crisis, but actually because of the crisis, because of the, the flattening of the, the playing field, right? Those are the people that are able to say, okay, 
I used to be a quote luxury, you know, like magician, you would always assume is a luxury, right? Nobody needs a magician. Well, not if you're thinking about it like that, they don't, right? But if you shift and you go, but what do people need right now? People need to come together. They need to share an experience. They need to laugh with each other. They need to have a video meeting that isn't just a video meeting, right? They, they need something to experience together that is meaningful and is a connection. That's what live entertainment does. That's what it actually does. They're not coming to magic shows because of card tricks. They're coming because of the shared experience. And if you can sell that now, you're fine. Let's talk about connection a little bit more because that's really the niche that you've carved out for yourself. And magic was kind of the the jumping off point for you because you had this this realization of of there's two different sides to this story going on. It's not just me on stage and the audience in their seats. There's totally different mindsets. Do you mind speaking to me about that? No, of course. That kind of insight was what inadvertently led me into a completely new career. I mean, I I got pulled into the world of speaking. I had never imagined being a speaker. I definitely didn't want to be a motivational speaker. I actually had a real aversion to that whole, if you had said motivational speaker to me, I would be like, ah, those lame guys jumping their fists at the air, you know. Um, I got pulled into this world because I started getting invited to speak not motivationally, but academically, really, to come in and talk about the psychology of magic to certain groups, to talk. I started getting, I got like invited to do a commencement speech, to give the commencement speech for a, for a, a high school to talk about being successful in an unusual industry. And so as people started inviting me to speak, I, which I never set out to do, it just came in, I realized, oh, there's something that I've done for whatever reason that other people want to hear about or hear about my my take on that. And I had to start thinking, what is it that I can actually share with this audience about what I've done? Because they don't care about building a career as a magician, right? I'm not talking to magicians. So, you know, what can I share with them? And and the thing I realized was the the skill of being a magician is perspective taking. Now that's what psychologists call this. Magicians don't know that's what they're doing. But this is what magicians learn intuitively. And Perspective taking is simply the ability to see the world from the point of view of another person, right? Ability to see the world from the point of view of another person. It is simple, but it is not easy. And what magicians learn is that when you think about a magic trick, if you've done a magic trick before, I'm sure you have, right? You've learned a card trick at some point. You know the secret. The hard part of magic isn't fooling people. Fooling people is easy. Making people enjoy being fooled is hard, right? Making people enjoy the experience of being deceived, lied to, conned, bamboozled, swindled. Nowhere else in life do we enjoy that experience. Somehow we do in a magic show. And the only way you can get somebody to enjoy an otherwise antagonistic experience is to consider their point of view. What are they coming in with? What is their perspective uh, in this moment? What's their background, their culture, ideology? How are they feeling today? What's going on in the world? and then give them something that in spite of the fact that it is fundamentally a deception, makes them feel uplifted, gives them that sense of, of, of connection. And, and yeah, so that ability to navigate between your perspective, knowing the secret and doing a deception, and their perspective of not knowing the secret and wanting to feel something bigger than themselves, that's what Christians master. And on that process, 
is what I now teach, you know, in my coaching and consulting and speaking and workshops is how to do that in any field and with any relationship, right? How to magically connect with anyone. Yeah, it doesn't seem, it doesn't, it's not industry or situation-based. Your entire life is about connection. It's about understanding other people's perspective to to make sure that, that conversation goes in the direction that that builds rather than tears down, right? Yeah, I mean, it it is if you want to live a meaningful life, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, of it, course, it, yeah, yeah. You know, if 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 your desire is is to to live a life that is worthwhile, to do work that matters for people who care, uh, right? To borrow a, a turn of phrase from you know from Seth Godin, you know, if if that's what you want out of life then everything is is connection. It's personally and professionally because I hear a lot of people talk about wanting to be, you know, connected at home and more productive at work, but we can do it the other way too. We can be more connected at home and, you know, or more connected at home and more productive at work. We can be more productive at home and more connected at work. Like there's so many different ways that learning how to make a meaningful connection with another person will make your life better and not just your life, but the life of everyone around you and the ripple that that has. Are there any exercises or activities that are that you think of or you you practice frequently to be able to take stock of the other person's perspective as you go into a cold situation and you need to very quickly understand where you stand and how you can best uh, improve this situation? Yeah. So, and and I think this speaks right to being top of mind. When we talk of being, speak about in the business world being top of mind, you know, w- there's always this discussion of like tactics and how can I, you know, you hear all the time, like I need to stay in front of people. How do I do the Facebook ads right? What do I put in my Google ads that are going to get? No, no, no. Those are tactics. They come way later. If you don't get connection right, the tactics don't matter. You can waste a lot of money on ads, right? And you can spend a lot, a lot less money on ads that are much more effective when you get the connection right. Mm-hmm. And so, how do we stay top of mind? How do we actually connect with people? The fastest, easiest, the most effective way to do perspective taking is to stop guessing what their perspective is. We do this wrong all the time. We think we are mind readers. Now, if I asked you, do you think you're a mind reader, Stuart? You would probably say, no, of course not but you act like you are. Mm -hmm. So do I. We all act like we're mind readers. When you buy a gift for a friend or a loved one, that's a positive thing, but that's you thinking that you're a mind reader. You're trying to put yourself in their point of view and see what would they actually enjoy getting, right? As opposed to little kids who don't know how to do this yet. They buy, they want to buy their friends the toys that they like, right? Mm -hmm. It actually takes the, you have to develop a theory of mind, which in educational psychology, they'll tell you happens around seven or eight years old. It's way later than parents think, by the way. <laughs> uh, the ability to understand that other people have beliefs and perspectives that are different from your own. Once you understand that, the you need to stop acting like and pretending like you can just imagine somebody else's perspective. Like it's a good, it's a good exercise to think, okay, what might this person be thinking? It's a good exercise, but fundamentally you are just guessing and you will be wrong most of the time. And the way to do it right is to stop guessing and start asking. I know it sounds so stupid to say something that obvious, right? It just sounds so obvious. If you want somebody else's perspective, ask meaningful and relevant questions. And both of those components are are important, meaningful and relevant. 
too often we are afraid to ask people meaningful and relevant questions because we think it'll be rude or too forward or they won't want to answer. But the truth is, flip it around and think about the last time somebody actually asked you something that was meaningful and relevant to you. We are so overwhelmed that like in a positive way, we're overwhelmed that somebody saw us as an individual person with value and humanity. You get to be the person that gives that gift to somebody else. Sometimes simply by asking a meaningful question, you've made the connection that their answer almost doesn't matter at that point. But when you get their answer, they've told you what their perspective is. That's the way you do it. And so once you've heard their answer, do you apply then that answer to your life? If I was thinking this, this is how I would feel and these are the actions that I'd want to take? Or do you have to go deeper? Well, so that's that's exact. this is the trap that we all fall into, right? So you get the answer from them and then you think, okay, now that I know that's their perspective, what would I do? No, that's right. What would I do is the wrong question. That's And that's what we do instinctively. We go, well, here's what I would do. But you're not them and they're not you. And if you were the same person, we wouldn't, the world would be really, really boring, right? It would be really uninteresting. And so what we need to do is ask the questions and then we need to listen to the answers. And when I say listen to the answers, I'm going to say something that has been around for a hundred years and you've heard so many times it's become a meme. But again, it is simple. It is not easy. And, And the trick is this. We have to listen to understand, not just to respond or to reply. To listen to understand, because what mostly happens to us is when people start answering the meaningful, relevant question, the second they say something that you realize you could respond to, your you turn off your brain turns off and you go, okay, just remember that thing you want to say, remember mm-hmm. that thing you want to say, remember that thing you want to say. You literally tune them out and you just wait until their lips stop moving, and then you can jump in and say your thing. You missed everything else. And the key to reflective listening. The key to reflective listening is to take in what they've said. And if you're going to think about what they've said, you have to think, why did this person tell me that? Not what did it mean to me? Not what would I do if I thought like that? Why did they tell me that? What did it mean to them to tell me that? People don't say things unless they have a reason to say something. Mm -hmm. And so you can think to yourself, why Like if you're on a call with a a prospect, someone you're thinking, you know, and you ask them a question, they tell you something, you can think, why would they tell me that? And there's got, if you can get beyond that, if you can get to the reason or your best friend comes to you, you ever, you ever had, or you know what, really good example, a colleague comes to you. You've had a colleague come to you like when we used to be in the office and we'll someday again be in the office and they tell you something and you, in your head, you think, oh. God, there were, what, what is, this person is so annoying. There is no reason they needed to tell me that. Okay, pause, time out, take a step back. They did tell you that. They went out of their way, expended energy, and told you something. Maybe they just needed to hear themselves talk, even if that's the, the case. Why? What's going on? What's going on in their life that they desperately needed someone to listen to them at this moment? Those are the questions we can ask to get deeper. Wow. Does that apply to everything that anyone says? Yeah. I mean, people can just, you know, there are obviously people who just have a need to 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 talk all the time. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I would say the same thing, which is I'm not saying you should be friends with everybody. I'm not saying that you're going to want to be connected with every person. And for what it's worth, 
I get sometimes, occasionally people give me pushback and go, yeah, but like, I've, I've tried to connect with some of it before and they didn't want to connect with me. What do you do then? And I, I go, well, yeah. you, you can't connect at somebody. You can only connect with them, right? It has to be a two-way street. But you don't have control over what they're doing. You only have control over you and your response and your attitude. So if you show up on a daily basis with every single person in your life, friends and family, colleagues and coworkers, your boss, strangers, every person with an and you show up with an attitude of empathy and generosity, I guarantee you, your life will get better and the lives of the people you interact with will get better. And it's funny you bring up reflective listening because the the nature of this conversation, I'm trying to think of new questions to ask you to keep the conversation going, right? It's hard to do as a host, <laughs> right? Now you got me stumped. I'm like, well, why, well, why did he bring up reflective listening? Do I need to start asking more about that? But see, what we're doing right now, though, is very strange. You and I feel like this is a normal thing that we're doing because we are both in a world of doing interviews. I run a podcast as well, right? I host, I, I'm on the other side of this normally where I host and do interviews. That is not how normal interactions go in the world, right? right. The interactions don't normally go, you come on, I ask you questions, you answer them for some audience that listens later at some point. That's, that's not what we're talking about. This is work, what you and I are doing right now. We've agreed to a set of rules that make this valuable because you and I are trying to create an experience that will connect with the listeners in the future. You and I aren't really trying to connect with each other right now, right? We did that before we hit record. We made a connection so that this works. Now we're doing something to connect with people in the future. Okay, that's 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 helpful because I was I was kind of worried there for a sec. <laughs> it is. It can be. It can. It can be overwhelming. And and sometimes when people hear, you know, I, I call this everything I'm kind of talking about here. I call this the three new people philosophy because, of course, that's the name of my book, right? Three new people and all the stuff that I preach kind of goes around that hashtag three new people thing that I have. Really, the book was a manifesto on human connection. It was designed to say this is a completely different way of moving through the world in your interactions with people. And I've had some people read and say, look, the book was amazing. Like it was fantastic, but I'm worried that like, it's just too much. Like I can't possibly really do this. Can I? And the answer is no, you can. It's just, do you want to? I mean, it's just that you've never been told you could before. You've never been told or taught that you can actually show up for people emotionally in every situation, mm -hmm. right? And we're all human. I, I, this is an ideal, right? I make mistakes. I, don't, I, I preach this stuff and I'm, I, I can make the same mistake in, in, with my wife or with a friend or whatever. But the point is that you're trying to do it as much as you can, as often as you can. And the reason that you need to make it a daily constant practice is because it doesn't work if you try to pick and choose when to do it. If you think, well, I think this person could really help my career, so I'm going to turn on connection right now, it comes across as phony. Everyone's got a built-in phony detector. Everyone can sense it. So if you say, no, every day, with every person, with every interaction, I'm going to show up with that same spirit of generosity and kindness and expect nothing in return. All I'm doing is offering the gift of connection. People can take it or not, but I'm going to offer it. Mm. Then when the right person comes along that can actually help you, you don't have nothing. You don't have to do anything different. You do the same thing with them you do with everybody and they'll feel connected with you and they'll help you and the world gets better.
We're now at this opportunity too, where you've got connection that can be scaled, right? We can have one-on-one FaceTime connections, uh, but we also have the ability to use our written words, use videos, use imagery, and then share it. And an infinite number of people can look at it. And, but it's still uses the same framework that you were just describing that it needs to be consistent and it needs to be genuine and it needs to present a opportunity for other people to connect with it. You can, you can read every single magician book there is the same way you can read every single marketing book there is, but until you actually get on a stage and start practicing it Mm -hmm. and showing up and doing it, you can't actually build your own voice to it and create, make it unique to yourself. Yeah probably you've read enough marketing books, right? I know I have. And it's really tempting to read another one because you think maybe the next one's got the secret, right? Maybe the next one has the answer. Yeah. They're good at marketing marketing books. Yeah, ex- exactly. And honestly, if it, I, I'm, I'm going to plug somebody else's book right now instead of my own. If you were going to read one more marketing book and be done forever, read This Is Marketing by Seth Godin. I know I mentioned Seth already. Read it. You're done forever because that book laid and it was just came out last year so this is really really fresh this is a real like this is just seth saying here's everything in my career that i've learned and here's where i believe marketing is going for the next 20 30 years like he laid the blueprint and essentially the entire book can be summed up uh in the tagline on the front cover which is you can't be seen until you learn to see you have to learn how to connect with people. If you learn how to connect with people, you can always find someone to teach you the, the, the tactics and the analytics and how to use the Facebook ads. And you can hire someone to do that for you. But they just, they need you though. Like the ad team, your sales team, your advertising, they need you to tell them how, like they need the content, you know, and the content comes from you. And so instead of reading another marketing book, start to ask yourself, who am I really trying to serve, right? Who are these people that I believe I can help with my product or service or whatever I have? Who are they and what do they believe in? Not what is their demographic, not what age are they? I mean, that stuff matters a lot less than it used to. What Mm -hmm. age, what gender, that doesn't really matter. What matters is who are they inside? What kind of beliefs do they have about the world? What kind of person would they like to be, right? And if you can go to somebody and say, it seems to me that you wish people saw you as a leader in your organization. The answer may not be that they need a new title, right? The answer may be that they need to find a new new way to move through their organization to have conversations with people. Well, it turns out that what I offer, right, is, is a, my services as a human connections specialist if my messaging says, if you're the kind of person who wants to see themselves in a leadership role, but doesn't have the title, I can help get you there by doing X, Y, and Z. Now I'm speaking to someone's beliefs and how they see themselves. And I don't have to go through any of the tactics. I don't have to deal with all that, that crap. Like I only have a thousand followers on Instagram and most of them are people I knew in college that have <laughs> long since like hit the mute button on my channel. Right. And, and the reason I bring that up is I get so many calls from people with hundreds of thousands or millions of followers, quote, influencers mm-hmm. who reach out to me and they say, Miller, how are you booked all 
the time? How are you constantly booked doing speaking engagements and running workshops and doing this? And you only have a thousand Instagram followers. How do you only have a thousand in your book all the time? Because I'm not, it, the number doesn't matter. The number doesn't matter. It's what do the people I'm serving see me as in a way that can actually help them? It's just a connection with your clients, with your prospects. And if they believe that you can help them, then they'll work with you. It's as simple as that. You need to figure out how to get 10 people to be hanging on your every word and coming to you for advice and seeing you in that leadership role. And so focus on that. And 10 people, that's manageable Mm -hmm. because you can look at each one of those 10 people as an individual human and learn who they are. And you can't do that with hundreds of thousands or millions, but you can do it with 10. So learn how to do it with one person at a time. That's great. What what was your evolution going from magic to being for like you said you i think you used thrusted as like the term for like you were thrusted into this new type of role and people saw you as a speaker now even though you didn't see yourself as a speaker what was that transformation like yeah it was it, it was actually it was the most amount of imposter syndrome i'd felt since i had started my career as a magician even at the beginning of my career as a magician i never really felt that heavy imposter syndrome because there's very few people who are trained to be a magician. So if I would get hired, even when I was like 16, when I would get hired as a magician and they were paying me some amount of money and you'd have a moment where you go, wow, I can't believe they're paying me that much money. Like I'm just, you know, I'm just a 16 year old kid who does magic tricks. But then you get on stage and you realize there's not one person in this audience more qualified than me. So there's, Mm -hmm. you don't really have to deal with that. But then as a speaker, I started getting invited to keynote conferences where all the other speakers were legitimately experts and academics and researchers with letters after their name and (laughs) decades of research. And I was just like there in my clown shoes, like, well, I was a magician for a while, you know, and why am I here? So I really had to deal with that. And the, the only way to get through that for me was to recognize, well, I'm always going to feel inadequate as a speaker if I'm trying to, quote, compete with the letters after their name and the decades of research and all that. I don't have decades of research. I'm not an academic. I don't have letters after my name. Why did the client, here comes back to the right question, right? The right question is, why did they bring me in? Why did they choose me to be the keynote? And all these much more qualified people are just doing the breakout sessions right? Why are they all here for free? And I'm getting paid five figures to be on this stage for 45 minutes. And the answer isn't because I have more letters after my name or more years of research or more. I don't have any of that. I'm here because the client saw something in my story and my ability to connect with an audience and engage with them and move them, right? They wanted my individual unique perspective on that topic. And that was why I was there. And once you realize what your value is, marketing, staying top of mind becomes much easier because then you stop worrying yourself about, you know, how am I going to advertise as a speaker? I can't say I have 30 years of research. I can't say I have all this stuff. Well, I'm not, I'm not competing on that level. I'm not, I don't have to talk about that at all. What all my marketing says is I was a magician for 10 years. I built up my career from being a little backyard barbecues for 50 bucks a pop to an international touring artist. I've got all these stories. I learned how to connect with 
audiences in a meaningful way. I used to be really bad at this. I have these stories of how I totally failed earlier in my life to make meaningful connections. Then I had this moment where I re- right that story became my marketing. Mm-hmm. In a lot of your content you've been putting out recently, it's all you've been talking a lot about. This is the time to double down on connection with everything we talked about here. You're fit with your close family, with your colleagues, with your customers, anyone in your life that you come in contact with. Now's the time to double down. Why now? And and where do you see this kind of moving in the future? Yeah. I mean, so let's acknowledge the context, which is there's a lot of tragedy in the world right now, right? There's a lot of bad stuff. I've had stuff personally, very, very tragic right within my own family. That's not public because public facing persona for me uh, is very professional, right? I don't cross over my personal life on LinkedIn or anything, but let's acknowledge there's a lot of tragedy in the world. Having acknowledged that there has never been in modern times, certainly in our lifetime, really in a hundred years or longer, the opportunity for people to completely reinvent who they are and how they move through the world like there is right now, it just flattened. And what I mean by it flattened is, let's use an example, colleges. A lot of my clients are colleges and universities. Many of them are smaller schools or state schools or small little private schools that have never been able to compete with the Ivy Leagues, right? Because the Ivy Leagues are the Ivy Leagues. Mm -hmm. Well, the Ivy Leagues are about to have a problem. They're about to have a problem. And some of them are my clients. So I'm not saying, I'm I'm hoping that if they're listening, because some of the Ivy Leagues are my best clients, I hope that they're listening to this because of what I'm about to say. The Ivy Leagues are about to have a branding problem, which is that what the story that they've been selling for a long time is, you're going to pay a fortune to come to this school we know the education is not better here than it is at, the, at an average state school. There's all the research for decades of research on that, right? Malcolm Gladwell's talked about it a lot. In fact, you're almost always better off going to a state school than an Ivy League because the psychological damage that happens from only being around people much smarter than you makes you less successful later, than, later in life. If you're the smartest person in the room for four years of college at a state school, you're, mu- you're going to be more successful than the dumbest person at an Ivy League. Okay. So yeah, yeah, there's a lot of research on this. So we've known for a long time that the Ivy Leagues are not providing a better education on any success metric than a state school. But why do people keep wanting to go to the Ivy Leagues? Because when they sit in those classrooms, when they walk through those halls, when they walk through the quad and sit on that bench, that's the bench that that famous person sat at from this Ivy League school. I'm walking through the same halls that these famous people that changed the world walked through. I'm sitting in the same hallowed room, right? That feeling, that's what people get when they pay for an Ivy League school. They get the logo on the t-shirt that sends a status symbol to everybody in their life and themselves about who they are and what kind of person they are, right? Okay, well, those same schools are about to have a problem because that story is really hard to sell when every single classroom looks like the Zoom call that we're having. You can't sell that story anymore. Ivy Leagues are going to need to compete in a very different level. So back to your original question, what is the opportunity to double down right now? The state schools, the private schools, smaller institutions, online learning institutions that are like alternative to to higher ed, they have a chance right now to say, to tell a story that says for a fraction of the price that is so much a fraction, it may as well be free 
for a fraction of the price of going to one of those schools, we're going to give you the same or better education. We're going to do it in less time. And you're going to build a, a cohort of people just like you. And right, there's all these, there's an opportunity for the smaller players right now to make moves, to double down on the relationship with their clients, customers, students, prospects, because the bigger name players don't have the one thing they've always had. Their money just doesn't matter right now. They can't compete with money right now. Everybody's doing this. So this is like, if you're a sole proprietor and you're, uh, you know, if you're a, I don't know, if you're a digital marketer and you've never been able to figure out how to crack the code because there's these big agencies that get all the business. If you're, oh, a member of my current mastermind, he, he owns a, a, small independent recording studio in London. And for the last year in this mastermind that I've been facilitating, he's been saying, you know, the big problem is how do I compete with the big, you know, the, the, the big recording studios? They have so much bigger budgets. They have these giant rooms and studio musicians and all this stuff I don't have. Well, no one can walk into a recording studio for the foreseeable future. Okay. All of a sudden, this guy with little to no budget has the opportunity to make moves that the big studios simply can't make because he can go one-on-one human connection right to the prospects and say for a fraction of the cost, you can't walk in there and you can't walk in here. So all your recordings got to get done remotely right now. Well, here's what I can offer you. I can offer you a personalized human experience. I will work with you in an individual way that gets your music across to your audience, blah, blah, blah. All the stuff the big guys can't do because they can't sell what they've always sold. There's never been an opportunity like this. Even when things reopen, this still applies. Like you, It's not like it all of a sudden goes away and it's like, oh, it's no longer relevant. Like You can no longer record virtually. It's like, yes, you can still record virtually. And yes, you can still have a really great education experience through Zoom, it doesn't go away. Exactly. A year from now or a year and a half from now or however God long this is going to take, right? At some point when the Ivy Leagues open back up, I don't think this whole generation of students that after a year or three semesters worth of getting a really phenomenal education for a fraction of the cost or learning on their own without having deferred for a year, right? What student, a lot of students are going to do right now. I don't think they're just going to go, oh, you're right. Actually, it is worth $60,000 a year. You know, it is worth going into debt for the rest of my life and dying with it and passing it along to my kids and grandkids to get the education I just discovered I could get for practically free online. Like you could do online education for just the next two semesters on your own. You could literally just learn from YouTube and Mm -hmm. LinkedIn videos for free. And you could build and fail three businesses in the next two semesters for free and learn more than you would have learned in four years at almost any business school. And why would anybody after experiencing that go back? Yeah, it's not just going to stop when everything opens back up. This is a defining moment and it's a very small window and the window is going to be closing within a couple of months because those big players, it's taking them longer because they have too many people, they have you know, they have uh, committees and budgets and financers. And, but in a few months, they will figure out how to make the same pivot. So there's a window right 
now. People will look back 10 years from now. They will look back on these three, four, five months the same way that people look back in the first few months of Facebook and go, I wish I had invested in Facebook back then. That's right now. We're living through it. Brian, if that's not a call to action, then I don't know what is. <laughs> that seems like a really great spot to, to kind of wrap things up. So, so as you mentioned, like you speak, but you also have a mastermind that you, that you coach through. Do you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah. So actually, I, I think as of two hours ago, before you and I jumped on this, I think I did fill the final seat on the current round of the, of the mastermind. I'll be opening it up again in the fall. That's a leadership mastermind that takes a small cohort. I curate the four or five people in it for three months to go on a journey that that will be valuable to them. You can apply and then we talk and I decide if you're the right fit. I'm not sure by the time this goes out if that will even be available. So anybody who is interested can it's brianmillerspeaks.com and you'll see under one of the tabs the leadership mastermind uh, you can always schedule a call and we'll talk about the next round in the fall but right now i'm fielding a lot of calls just for straightforward business coaching if you're an owner of a small business an entrepreneur a freelancer and you're trying to figure out what's my pivot right what am i going to do to adapt and pivot and make these moves that we've been talking about today um, I'm doing straightforward business coaching right now to help as many people as I can. So again, uh, brianmillerspeaks.com and you'll find the you'll find an obvious tab, connect with me in literally any way you feel like it and we can talk about that. Amazing. Really appreciate it, Brian. Some awesome insights on how we can do better. Thanks, man. This is, uh, this is great. It's a pleasure. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, then you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to topofmind.substack.com and put in your email, you can get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content inspired by this show. So there's going to be candid audio recordings that aren't going to be available anywhere else, not on Spotify, not on Apple, nowhere else except on topofmind.substack.com. But that's not it. It's also a platform where I can share written content, videos, links, and anything else that I come across directly with you. You're going to get access to it right away. You're going to get access to the whole library of archived posts. And you're also going to be the first to be notified when a new episode of Top of Mind comes out. So head on over to topofmind.substack.com. See you there. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.